Well, good morning, CWC. It is so wonderful to be able to share with you as you are at home, hopefully comfortable. You got your coffee, your tea, your water, whatever it might be. Uh, just know our, our, our family here at CWC, our staff, all of our volunteers, everyone that's here, we do miss our church family. We miss being together. We miss being able to congregate and love and just be involved in seeing you and, uh, and just being able to connect with you, but know that, uh, that God is still moving. Like Pastor Keith said, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are just excited to be able to know that we can go to a God no matter what the situation is going on in our lives. We can always go to a God who is always present, who is always there, who is always available for us to be able to go to. And uh, what's interesting about this message that I want to share with you this morning is that this was a message that was given to me a few weeks ago, um, exactly five days before the whole virus hit, uh, especially in the United States, and it came forward. And it was God really preparing my heart and preparing my mind for what was what was coming, what was actually going to start happening, because we, we know that there's a lot of fear, we know there's a lot of anxiety, we know there's a lot of uh, mis- just under, not understanding things and just being scared of what is happening. And so God laid this on my heart, and what we understand is with everything that's been going on, we've got a lot of instructions. We've got instructions from our government, we've got instructions from our community leaders, this is where they want you to, to go, this is where they not want you to go, this is how many people you can be with, this is how many people you can't be with. Lots of instructions have been given to us in what we are to do during a time that is so chaotic in our world. And instructions are very important. We've all gotten instructions at some point in our life, whether it was from when we were little to how we perform in our, in our work or how we are at school. There's always instructions that we are called to follow. And instructions are some of these things where sometimes we follow good instructions. Sometimes we, we don't follow instructions. And my natural tendency is always when an instruction is given, I evaluate whether or not I want to follow that instruction. It's just my natural tendency. Like, and I get this moment where if someone tells me to do something, if I agree with the instruction, I will follow it. If I disagree with the instruction, I usually don't follow it. And so there's always that mindset of when it comes to do we follow the instructions that we are given to follow. And I, I begin to think a lot about this concept of instructions, and especially spiritually, the Bible is a guide for us to live in. It's a guide that walks us through. It is actually important instructions for our life. See, instructions are important because they allow us to be the best that we could be, go go to where we need to go, and it's designed to help us to accomplish something that we need to accomplish. And oftentimes, instructions are given in times that we really need them. Instructions are given to us in times that are chaotic, times that are crazy, times that will help us get through whatever it is we have to get through to get to a certain place. And instructions are, good, are really important because they help direct our path to get to one place or the other. Instructions are important because not only does it help us physically get somewhere, but also mentally, emotionally, spiritually, when we are given instructions, especially in the word of God, it helps us to be instructed to go where God intends us to go. And see, in this season of what's going on in our world and what's going on at home, there are people that have lost their jobs, there are people that are losing money, there are people um, that are living in in just constant chaos and fear and doubt. And the Bible gives us very specific instructions on what to do. But we also have to understand that our mind is extremely powerful. What we think about will produce what we do. 
And we have to oftentimes remember that our mind is very powerful. Think about it this way. If you're, say you come to me and you say, hey, I'm sick. I'm not feeling very well. I have this ailment. I don't know what to do. And I say, take this little pill. And if you take this pill in the next several days, I promise you, you'll be cured. So what you begin to do is you begin to take that pill just like I instructed you to all throughout those days. And then next time you see me a couple days later, you run up to me. You don't, you don't give me a hug because of social distancing, but you tell me, hey, you know what? I'm feeling so much better. Thank you so much. I feel great. And I'm like, well, awesome. I'm glad that you feel so great. And then you ask, well, what was the medicine that you given to me? What is the thing that you gave me? And I say, I just gave you a vitamin C pill. That's it, right? The placebo effect. When we begin to think positively, we will act positively. When we begin to think on good things, we will live out those good things. But can I tell you the opposite is true as well. When we begin to think on negative things, and when we begin to think out of fear and anxiety that is something that is in our heart that often affects our minds, we will live that out each and every day of our lives. It's interesting. I found a study when I was was looking through this. The National Science Foundation says that an average person has 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. That's a lot of thoughts, 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. But understand this, out of those 30 to 60,000, 80% of them are negative. 80% are negative and 95 are repetitive thoughts. So the majority of, let's just say 30,000, the majority of your 30,000 thoughts that you have throughout the day 85% of of those are negative. So you are consumed more by negative thinking than you are positive thinking. And then what's interesting is it says 95% uh, of the thoughts that you are thinking is a repetitive thought. So if 80% are negative and 95% are repetitive, you are constantly thinking more negative than you are positive, but you are thinking about those negative things repetitively throughout the day. So your mind is then beginning to allow that negativity, that anxiety, that fear, that doubt, whatever it is, play into your mind and you're thinking more about those things than you are thinking about anything else. And it's so interesting to me when I read these facts and I think about, it it tells me two things, that one, we are concentrating and focusing more on the negative things of life than we are the positive. And the second thing is we understand that anything that is repetitive in nature is often something that is of importance for us to remember. How many of you remember when your parents would tell you to do something, the same thing over and over and over again? Clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. Why is it repetitive? It's repetitive because we have to learn it. Oftentimes in school, things are repeated over for us to understand that these are important. Well, what we begin to do is we begin to self-sabotage ourselves with our thoughts. Because we're thinking majority of negative things, and the majority of those negative things we're thinking repetitively, and we are allowing ourselves to believe that these negative things are the important things in which we are to believe. And so what do we do with this? In this season, especially in the culture that we're living in, and the fear and the chaos and the anxiety and everything, how do we allow ourselves to, to be free of that mindset of negative thinking? How do we allow ourselves to focus on the repetitive things that are positive for our lives rather than negative? See, what we have to understand that it is very important what you think about because what you think about will guide your life. And if you are constantly thinking about negative things, you will be guided to negative things. If you are constantly thinking about fear and you're constantly thinking of doubt and you constantly allow things like anxiety to rule your life, you will live that out. And not only will you live that out, but that trait will be passed on to the people that are closest to you. Especially if you're influencing people, if you're a leader, a parent, a teacher, however the nature of who you are, that can easily be caught by other people. 
So as Christians, as people that believe in Jesus, as people that want to make a difference, how in our lives do we change this? And it's very interesting. How do we shift our thinking so that we are our thinking thoughts and ideas and concepts that are leading us and instructing us and guiding us into a place where God intends us to be? See, I don't believe God intends us to be thinking negatively. I don't believe that God intended us to live in fear and doubt and anxiety. These are not what we are called to live in. So what we find in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 9, if you have your Bibles at home, I encourage you to open them up. If you have it on your Bible app, open it up to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. I'm going to read these verses, and then I want to break them down to the understanding of, of what they mean. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, it's very interesting to me that the first thing that he says in this verse is, do not be anxious about anything. Let's just stop right there. Do not be anxious about anything. And I read this and I'm thinking like, dude, you don't understand. We have a lot to be anxious about right now. Especially with everything going on, there is a lot to be anxious about. There is a lot to be fearful about. There's a lot that, that I have to think about. I have to think about a job. I have to think about feeding my family. I have to think about um, whether or not I'll be able to go back to work. I gotta think about pleasing this person and pleasing that person. And, and we have all of these things in life, all of these little caveats in life that we are anxious about. But the first thing he says is don't be anxious about anything. See, one of the most powerful things that are, that are in our culture in, in today's age is anxiety. Man, anxiety is something that will cripple you. Anxiety is something that will change the way that you live. Anxiety will be something that will change the way that you think. Anxiety is something that really, when it gets a hold of you, it begins to disintegrate the human personality, leaving us frustrated and baffled and, and puzzled and, and bewildered by life. But yet, the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. And how, how do we do this? When, when we can't control the outcome of this situation, when, when, I don't, when, I, when things don't work out the way I want them to, when I am not in control, when I'm not able to dictate the way that life should be lived, what it begins to do, it begins to make me anxious because when I am not in control, I don't control the outcome. Anxiety is something that it says, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, well then how do I even do this? Where do I even begin? Because right now you might be at home and you might be sitting there and you might even be anxious sitting, sitting there watching this. You might even be anxious thinking about your work week coming up. You might be anxious thinking about your kids or thinking about where the next paycheck's gonna come from. Or you might be anxious thinking that this whole, this whole virus is going to affect you and affect your family. So what do we do? How do we overcome this anxiousness? How do we allow this anxiety not to come? Well, anxiety comes from a lack of trusting of the outcome. It's this whole thing where, we're, where we really, we lack what's going to happen. We have fear of what's going to happen. We have fear of the future. We have fear of tomorrow. And I begin to think about this. What does it say to do? It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every, every situation, by what prayer and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, we are able to take everything to God in prayer. 
See, what I love about God is God, doesn't be, God is not offended by what you pray. Nothing you pray offends God. And what I love about God too is we are able to take our past, present, and our future, all of these things that really will play into our anxiety and our fears and, and our worry and our doubt, everything, the past and the present and the future, we can take the whole timetable and we can take that to God and God can handle it. Because God can handle the whole timetable of your life. Because he has been there from the beginning and he will be there for all eternity. So he knows how to navigate this. So we need to have the understanding first, God is not offended by what you pray. Number two, God can handle anything that you can bring from your past, present, or your future and lay before him. So when I read this, it says, Paul says that we should, we should not be anxious about anything, but in everything. So this means that we have to take all of those 30 to 60,000 thoughts that we have and we have to take all of those things and 80% of them being negative, we have to take all of those negative thoughts captive, bring them before God and allow him to take care of them. We have to understand that God can handle all of the thoughts that you have. That God is able to allow you to be able to process and get through those the right way. We can take all of these. And so if 80% of our thoughts are negative, that means 100%. Because if it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. So you have anything and everything that covers the entirety of something. All of those thoughts are, should now be laid before God. And when they're laid before God, he is able to handle them. So we're, instead, of being a, instead of living a life that is controlled by 80% of negative, fearful thoughts, we can live 100%, 100 of our thoughts should be laid before God where we're not anxious about them. So we're taking the negative and we're making it positive, and this can only be done by prayer and thanksgiving before God. And so as we begin to walk this out, we begin to see that our process can change. We can give thanks in everything because when we give thanks in everything, it implies our gratitude and submission before God. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've given to me. And when oftentimes when you begin to profess thankfulness in seasons of fear and doubt, you are reminded of the things that God has done in your life. So in seasons of anxiety, we become thankful for everything that we have. I have a house, I have a family. And, and, and I'm not making light of this situation, but can I, I, just, can I just speak this and, and just say this is, we are living in a very comfortable quarantine. Very comfortable. We have a bed to sleep in, we have a roof overhead, we do have food, we do have supplies that's available. We're not standing in lines for soup. We're not standing in lines to get gas. We're not standing in lines for weeks to get bread. We are very comfortable in our quarantine and in that we have to give thanks. We have to give thanks for what God has God allowed us to have so that we're able to get through the season that we're in. But again, in anxiety and fear, we get through this. Why? By prayer and submission. It's only when we submit to God and, and give these things over to God that he is able to help us. And, and prayer is awesome because when you pray to God, it involves three things. Number one, the love of God, that when you're praying to God, have the understanding above anything else, he wants the best for you. The love of God is one of the most primary, if not the primary thing of prayer. Praying to God knowing that he wants the best for you. Number two, it involves the wisdom of God, which alone, he only knows what's best for you. So he wants, he wants you to have the best, but he only alone knows what is the best for you. So you have the love of God, you have the wisdom of God, and then what brings everything forward and what accelerates all of this is the power of God, which alone can bring the past the best for us. It's that one trigger that when you turn the switch on, the power of God can bring forth which is best for you. 
And all of this is accomplished through prayer. It's accomplished in, in saying, God, I'm praying to you. I'm lifting my voice to you in prayer and thanksgiving. I'm, 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 I'm really focusing on your love, your wisdom, your power through this season. I'm being thankful for everything that you've given to me. As you begin to do these things, you lay the foundation of what you need to do to overcome this negative mindset, to overcome anxiety, to overcome fear. This is the foundation. And then it goes on to say this in verse 7. And then the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Another version says, the peace of God which goes ab above and beyond your understanding. Now, I broke down this verse, and when I was reading this, this is absolutely amazing, because the, the Hebrew word used here, when you bring it back, in, is in peace. So think about this, peace. And what is the Hebrew word for peace? It's shalom. It's the greeting that is given by, by, by Hebrews to, or Israel to other people, say, shalom be with you, shalom, shalom. It's, it's their greeting and it's their goodbye. It's one of these things that is said. And what we're reading in Philippians, it says the peace of God, this word literally means the absence of war, of conflict, of stress. So when we say that the peace of God transcends or goes above and beyond the understanding, we are saying that God is bringing us back to a present state of harmony, of wholeness, of the way it was intended for us to be, to think through that peace, the peace that transcends, that is above and beyond, that we can't even fathom and say, how is this even possible? It goes beyond that because this is the peace that we get from God. It is the shalom that says, no, I'm bringing you back into wholeness and completeness with the way that it was intended to be. And that's what this is saying here when it says that the peace of God is supposed to help and transcend your understanding. And it goes above and beyond. And then it says this. What this tells me is that the peace of God is not going to make sense. That the peace of God is abnormal. This means that the peace of God is so precious. This means that the peace of God is on a whole different supernatural level than what we have. See, the peace of God is, is beyond our comprehension. The peace of God is another realm of, of, of who God is and the being of who he is. And what I love about the peace of God that we can talk about, this is peace that man can't produce. Because if man could produce this peace that, that, that they're talking about, if man could produce this, we wouldn't need it from God. But God says, no, I'm going to give you something that transcends your own understanding. You can't fabricate it. You can't make it. You can't develop it in a lab. You can't put a formula together to get this. The only way that this gets, gets to you is it comes from me placing it down upon you because this is the way that you are intended to live in. See, peace is the atmosphere. Peace is the way that we were meant to live having this understanding of being with God. And this peace that transcends all understanding does not come from having everything worked out the way we want it to be. That's tough. It's tough to understand that the peace of God that, that he will lay on our life, it will still leave us with some questions. It will still lead us saying, okay, I, I don't really understand this, but I have a confidence in this. And a lot of things that we understand with faith is believing in things that you cannot see. And so the same belief system that we put in our faith with God is the same belief system that we need to put in the peace of God. We have enough faith to believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for us on a cross, to be risen again and coming back for us. We have, enough, we have enough faith that we can believe in that, but where is our faith when it comes to understanding that we can live in the peace of God? 
If we have enough faith to believe that Jesus did everything he said he did, we need to have enough faith that the peace of God can transcend all understanding, that the peace of God is given to us as a gift that we should have that impacts our hearts. But see, then it says something interesting. It says that the peace of God transcends all understanding. That peace will then guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the results of believing in prayer and thanksgiving, the results of believing in prayer and submission allows us to have this peace that transcends our understanding. But this same peace that is shalom is the same peace that will also guard your heart. And see, when, we, when, the, when this was written, what he was talking about is he was talking about how soldiers guard something or somewhere. That a Roman soldier would guard somewhere, and what that means is that, that that guard would stand there, and he would not allow anything in that should be in, and he would not allow anything out that should be out. That's what the peace of God does when it guards our hearts and our minds. It doesn't allow anything to come in that shouldn't be there. And it doesn't allow anything out that shouldn't come out. The peace of God that guards your hearts and your mind. I think about how this is just like the peace of God is like this big bodyguard that just sits there and says, no, I will protect you. I will keep you. I will not allow anything to happen to you. This is like a soldier who is guarding someone, guarding from a crowd coming in, guarding from the thoughts coming in. That's what the peace of God, the peace of God stands up and stands upright and says, no, you will not penetrate through this. The peace of God that guards our hearts. The peace of God that guards our minds. That says, no, you will not be allowed into this place. And then what's interesting, verse 8 goes on to tell us this. Finally, brothers and sisters, these are things that you think about. And he talks about all of these things. And when you put them into practice, God gives us peace. See, you can't think about good things if you never put good things into your mind. You cannot think about deep spiritual things if you don't spend time in the deep spiritual places. You will never, un, you will never really get to know the, and understand this character of God if you don't spend time in relationship with God. And so we have to have this understanding that if we want to think about things, here is the list. These are things that you think about. Things that are pure, that are lovely, that are admirable, that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. All of these things, think about these things. And as you begin to think about these things, these will begin to be the things that you can allow to transcend your mind and transcend your understanding. And these are the things that peace allows in. See, peace has a correlation with every one of these things. Peace has a correlation with what is noble, whatever is right, whatever is excellent, whatever is pure. Whatever. Peace and all of these things go aligned with each other. But you think about it this way. The more of God's word you put into your life, the more you can live it out of your life. So the more that you have it coming into you, the more you can live it out of you. And I, and I was trying to think about how, you know, when I was younger, we, when, we lived, um, when we lived out towards Pittsburgh, we lived in a suburb, and behind our house was tons of woods. And it just went on and on and on. And I remember that there was always a pathway there. And the pathway would lead all the way through the woods, and it would get us out the other side, and we would oftentimes play there. But the thing is, is if you went to the path and you saw it starting to grow over, and you saw things starting to like, like shrubs or branches or trees. If you did not take your time and trim away the path to get to where you needed to be, it would overgrow. 
And we saw that all the time, that, that if we would wait a few days, what would happen is it would overgrow. If we waited a few weeks, it would overgrow. We had to constantly keep the pathway clean in order for us to get from here to there. It was constant. We always had to go in, and we'd go in with the clippers, and we'd go in with rakes, and we'd go in with, uh, with axes, and we would do all these things. But what would happen if I didn't go and I didn't constantly make sure the pathway was clear? If I waited maybe one or two months, we'd, ha- we'd have a little bit of overgrowth. But if I began to wait for a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, what would happen is that would completely overgrow into each other and there would no longer be a path. Have the understanding that our mind works the same way. I have to be able to keep my mind clear in a pathway to God where I'm constantly going through and getting rid of all of the stuff that shouldn't be there, that I'm cutting out everything. And as I continue to think on pure and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy such things, these are the very things that take all of the mess out that shouldn't be there. So I'm constantly gotta go back and forth in my relationship with God, thinking on the things that are called to be thought about, thinking on the things of Jesus, thinking on the things that are good for my spirit. Because if I don't, the pathway of my mind and how I think and how I process will be completely filled with things that it shouldn't be filled with. It'll be completely overgrown. Fear will begin to grow over. Doubt will begin to grow over. Anxiety will grow over. All of these things. And then what happens is the pathway of my mind will no longer be clear and and I will no longer be able to do this. That is why we must constantly be thinking on these things. That's why we constantly have to be processing this. And you know what's crazy is the more you do something, the easier it becomes. So the more time you're spending in the presence of God and the more time you're spending in prayer and the more time you're spending reading your word, what begins to happen is, I don't mean it becomes easy in 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 a weird way, but it becomes something that you long for, something that you desire, something that you're addicted to, something that you can't get enough of. And so you're constantly going back to those places, back to the word, back to prayer, back to worship, back to this, this place that we are meant to be this place that we are meant to go to. And what happens then, it becomes second nature to us, that as soon as something comes against us, we quote scripture. As soon as we're filled with fear, we can quote this scripture. As as soon as we have something that says, you know what, you're sick, you can claim claim what you know in the gospels, what Jesus says about sickness. See, the more time that we spend thinking about the biblical spiritual things that we should, and the more we get it, the more it becomes our nature, and then we live the way that we're intended to live. Because we were intended to live a certain, within a certain aspect within the character of knowing who God is. And so if we think about these things, as we process these things, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, we think about these things. See, we have to have this understanding that God gave us this years ago for this season of our life. This was given to us years ago so that we could walk through these seasons, so that we could have understanding that as everyone else is acting chaotic, you're walking in a way that people don't understand. Like, why are you so calm? Why, why, why aren't you freaking out right now? Why are you this? Why are you that? Well, because I have the peace of God that transcends my understanding. When I spend time within the, when I spend time with God and I spend time getting to know more of his, more of the relationship with him, I understand that the Bible says he is my protector. The Bible says that he is my provider. The Bible says that he will take care of all of the things that I may need. The Bible says that he is my rear guard. And so all of the things that I need 
God is. And so I can have this understanding that when I'm clearing this pathway in my mind, I'm letting, I'm letting God do what only God can do. And, and we take careful instructions then to what was given to us. We had an instruction that says we need to wash our hands more and use hand sanitizer more and, and, and stay six feet away from people. Why? Because it's important for our health and our safety. Can I tell you, just as important as that is to you, Philippians 4, 6 through 9 is just as important to you now. It's just as important to you now that you are living this out and it's in careful instruction so that you are able to do what you need to do. Paying attention to what was asked, paying attention to the commands that God has given to you, being able to say, okay, like I don't know what to do right now and I don't know how to act, but I'm just gonna say, you know what, God, you're faithful. God, you're there for me. I'm not anxious. I'm not upset. I'm just going to simply sit in your presence and I'm gonna give everything to you in prayer and petition and I'm gonna start thinking these ways. Can I tell you what you think about will dictate where you go. And if you think about these things, this will take you right to where God is. This is the pathway to get to where God wants you to be, the way that you're intended to lead. Change what you think about and your life will be changed. And that change comes by placing our minds on things that are above rather than among. See, in this present season, fear surrounds us. But we are called to set our hearts and our minds above the present situation, not among the present situation. If we are those that are connected to the Lord and connected to Jesus, we are those that offer hope. We are those that offer truth in times that truth needs to be let out. We are those that are able to offer a, a answer to say, hey, you know what, if you're struggling with the anxiety and fear in this season and you don't know what to do, this is what you do. See, all we have to do is follow the instructions. The instructions will lead us to where we need to be and take us to where we need to go. And I really believe that in this season, there's been so much struggle, there's been so much going on that, that people are looking for an answer. People are looking everywhere for an answer of what to do in this season. Can I tell you that the answer has already been given? The answer is Jesus. The answer is being in relationship with him. The answer is knowing that, you know what, there's nothing that is so big that he can't handle. There's nothing that is out of his control. There's no past memory. There's no present, present fear or doubt. There's no future circumstance that God cannot get me through. And so this morning as you're at home and as you're just taking this next few moments, I just I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know if you're at your phone or if your computer or your iPad, whatever it might be, just close your eyes for a moment. And my biggest question is, what do you find yourself thinking about the most? What is it that you think about the most? Are you thinking about things that are negative and that are going to bring you down and are they going to, that are going to bother you and hurt you and intimidate you and, and cause you to not be who God has created you to be? Are you living in a constant season where you're thinking about negativity and negativity now has a stamp on your life? Well, I can tell you this morning that there is one 
who cleanses us from all of those things. There is one that can take that anxiety, that fear, and there is one that is, a, is there that's not going to go anywhere. He has been and will always be the answer to the things that we need. So why don't you pray with me as, you, as you're home for those that are in the room, wherever you might be, but let's just pray for a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and if we're just honest, we're, we're, a little, we're a little scared right now. We're a little fearful. Not sure what tomorrow brings. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do next. But God, I thank you that you are faithful to me. And I thank you that my unknown is known by you. And that I might not understand what this next week may bring. I might not know, but you know what's going to happen. So God, I pray that we will seal this message, this, this passage in Philippians. I pray that we will seal this to our hearts and to our minds. And that truly, the peace, the shalom, the harmony, the oneness, the unity that we are meant to have with you will guard our hearts, and our minds. From what culture says, from what this virus says, from what the principalities of darkness say. Because God, this morning, we preach into those principalities. We preach into the spiritual realm, saying that fear and anxiety will no longer have a hold on us, but we will allow the power of who Jesus is in his name be the thing that brings us peace. Setting our minds on the things that are above the present circumstance. That we're not setting our minds on things among, but above. Above and beyond. Well, the present says. I pray that we will be ones that take charge and allow our, our thoughts to not be so negative. But God, I pray that as we think on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, as we think on these things, these things become the very things that become repetitive in our mind so that we can be closer to you than ever before. So God, I just pray for freedom now from anxiety and fear in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for the one that watches this morning and has absolutely no relationship with you, I will tell you this, that relationship with Jesus is the greatest decision that you will ever make. Because it is the difference maker for all eternity. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, it's very simple. All the Bible says is that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We ask him to come into our lives to forgive us of our sins. And then we do our best to follow according to the word of God and what it asks us to do and how we are to live. And we go and we live a life that is worthy of, of Jesus being on the cross and being resurrected. We live a life that is worthy of being called a son or daughter of the king. And so if that's you this morning, all you have to say is, God, forgive me for the things that I have done. 
Help me to be better in who I am. Help me to not live in seasons of fear and anxiety, but help me to have understanding that you are a father that loves me, that wants the best for me, and I will live this out, and I will try to live for you as best as I can. And when I do fail, I can come back to you in forgiveness, knowing that you forgive and love me. Jesus, we just give this moment to you. And God, we thank you for the peace that you can bring even now to that situation. And God, continue to allow that peace to guard our hearts and guard our minds. And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.